Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. This week, we're talking about some spooky TV series, <laughs> inclu- <laughs> including Midnight Mass and Wellington Paranormal. And we'll talk about some of our all-time favorite scary TV shows appropriate for Halloween season. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we love spooky things. We do. You've gotten more into them lately, which is just fantastic. I love that. Yes, I'm also excited about it. But I also like silly, spooky things as well. Yes, me too. And I think we have one example of each. Yes, because yours is not silly, so maybe we should start with that. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> no. It is spooky, spooky. Yeah, so... Probably everyone knows I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan and the things that he comes out with. So his new miniseries is called Midnight Mass. It came out on Netflix a couple weeks ago. So all of that is available. He's previously did the haunting series. So the haunting of Hill House, haunting of Bly Manor, which are some of my favorites. But this is a new story about an island community called Crockett Island. So it stars Zach Guilford as Riley, who comes home to his parents on this island. It's a fisher fisherman community. There's been a lot of struggle in the community because there was an oil spill in the bay a couple years ago, so their fishing has has all gone down and they're all just kind of really struggling. So Riley comes back because he spent four years in prison for drunk driving and he killed a girl while drunk driving which is the like opening scene and it's horrifying they don't actually show the crash but it's just like automatically you're starting off with this very very flawed character and you're like oh no (laughs) but i think mike flanagan really likes his flawed characters so (laughs) riley comes home and his dad is played by the great Henry Thomas. Oh. Yeah, who's often in Mike Flanagan's stories. And Kristen Lehman plays Riley's mom. And if they sound a little young, there's a reason for that. <laughs> but I'm not gonna get into it. I don't want to really spoil anything because I really do think that it's best if you go in without really knowing much at all. Okay. So then Riley has a, has a younger brother, Warren, played by Igby Rigney. He doesn't have much of a role yet. I'm actually right at the end of episode six out of seven, so I haven't quite finished it. Mm-hmm. Because it's something that I very much had to take slowly. Like, the haunting series, I wanted to binge because I just wanted to find out what happened. And this one, like, is really creepy and <laughs> I've got to take my time with it. <laughs> and then you have Kate Siegel as Erin Green, who recently returned. She left her husband. She is pregnant and she's a school teacher on the island. So she's sort of a counterpart to Riley. They're both sort of trying to rebuild their lives. And I do think she is the most interesting character and one of the best. I think she's great at anything, so that was really no surprise. <laughs> and then Samantha Sloyan plays Bev Keen, who is 
She's a member of St. Patrick's Church, which is a big institution on the island. She has some sort of job with the church, but I don't really know what it is. She sort of takes care of Monsignor, who's the priest there, and the building and all that stuff. So everything sort of goes through her. And she's terrifying <laughs> as a person. <laughs> she's very... Uh, <laughs> I want to I want to say a side note about Samantha Sloyan for the old people mm-hmm. that she's the daughter of veteran character actor James Sloyan and I can absolutely tell that just by looking at her. That's how much of a stupid TV nerd I am. I'm sorry. I no. Had... <laughs> That's trivia that I did not have. I don't know who her dad is. <laughs> he's just been in he's like one of those oh it's that guy people and okay. so she comes from good character actor royalty so and she's excellent as a character actor, so. <laughs> but she's she's not very likable in this. And then Rahul Cooley, who was in Hunting of Bly Manor as well, plays Sheriff Hassan. And he's Muslim. He's one of the only non-Catholic people on the island. So there's a little bit of tension there, just in the fact that he's very much on the outside and they haven't really accepted him yet. He's fairly new to town, and he has a son named Ali, who's played by Rahul Aburi. And then Annabeth Gish is the last important character I'm going to name. She plays Dr. Sarah Gunning. She's the town's local doctor and Aaron's close friend. Their friendship really kind of is a cornerstone of the story, because they're the ones who sort of are the first to figure out that strange things are happening. <laughs> So the main plot is that, and I also missed the main, main character, who's played by Hamish Linklater. He plays Father Paul. He comes to this island because their Monsignor was old and he left for a trip to Jerusalem and he got ill. So he's taking some time off and Father Paul comes and he's very much not what anyone really expects because he's very young and very enthusiastic and charismatic and everyone sort of takes some time to adjust him. But weird things start happening. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know exactly how far I want to get into those weird things, but it all seems to hinge on Father Paul's appearance, right? Okay. And there, I think I mentioned this when I was tweeting about it. There are some unsettling animal things in the first couple episodes. So at the end of the first episode, a bunch of like stray cats from a nearby island all wash up on the beach dead. And it's not pleasant. And then a character's dog dies in episode two, which is not also not pleasant. So like things like that are happening and everyone's kind of is it like an oil spill again? Like what's going on? And the dog was seemingly just an accident, but who knows? And then I'm sorry, I'm trying to figure out like exactly what, (laughs) how much to give you guys. But (laughs) (laughs) I think the last thing that I will say about the plot is that there's a character named Lisa, who is the daughter of the mayor and she's played by Anara Simone. Um, and she is in a wheelchair following an injury. And there's a lot of backstory about that 
and one of the characters on the island named Joe. Joe Colley is played by Robert Longstreet. So there's a lot of backstory there. And she can't walk, so she is in a wheelchair. And at the end of episode two, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but I mean, it is kind of crazy. But Father Paul, like, won't let her come to get communion in her chair. And he insists that she try to walk. What? Yeah, so there's like a lot of weird things that start to happen. And Father Paul's like doing some weird things. Oh. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's all just creepy. I don't want to tell you. I think in episode three is where pieces start to fall into place. And you as the viewer get a little bit more knowledge about what's going on. But I absolutely don't want to spoil any of that. I will say it's very creepy. It's very much a lot about like religion versus faith. And it's very biblical. There are a lot of like hymns that play in the background. So it might not be up everyone's alley just because it is, it's sort of a very personal passion project Mm -hmm. for Mike Flanagan. I think he also struggled with sobriety too, which is part of, part of the theme here. So it gets very dark and yeah, it's sometimes it's very uncomfortable to watch. I watched the first episode with a friend mm-hmm. and then we, we spent like, we didn't get to the second episode because we spent like 90 minutes talking about religion. Oh, after. wow. <laughs> Interesting. It's one of the reasons I've been sort of parsing it out because it is very dark and there are some things that are just hard to talk about and are hard to take in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think it's really like a binge show, but I think it's very well done and very creepy. And if you're into horror and horror mixed with religion, then you'll definitely like this. Cool. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm, it sounds like scary and sad, like a Mm -hmm. lot of his work. And I liked his other two series a lot, but they were... They both took me a long time. Yes. I don't, the animal stuff might really bother me. So I'm. Yeah, that's very, fair. Yeah, I don't know. I could tell you the spoilers off air if okay. you like. Yes, that would be great. That would okay. Be the side. But I love, I love so many of the actors in it. And mm-hmm. Raul Cooley is like, he's just great in everything. Maybe I'll just finish iZombie instead of watching this because he's in that too. Yeah, that's a lot lighter. <laughs> yeah, that's very light. Maybe I'll do that. That's still that's still Halloween appropriate. So exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it sounds good, and I love how how all of his work, all of Mike Flanagan's work, is very atmospheric, and mm-hmm. you know those elements also remind me of kind of classic sort of occult '70s horror films that I think are very effective. Usually, stuff like the Amityville Horror and the Omen and the Exorcist and things like that. So it sounds kind of in that sort of vein so yeah for sure and even though a lot of his stuff is sad i feel like especially the haunting series they tend to end on slightly hopeful notes Mm -hmm. but i haven't gotten to the last episode of this so i will update you on whether it continues in that trend okay yeah cool but you have been watching something very different yes this is maybe, here's our respite moment. So <laughs> I have been watching the comedic, oh, it's kind of a, it's a comedy horror, but it's also a mockumentary. 
Wellington Paranormal, which is in the What We Do in the Shadows universe. Mm. So it's very, very lighthearted. It's very silly. And it's unlike What We Do in the Shadows, which is very focused on kind of, oh, it's it's satirical take on vampires and werewolves and things like that. Wellington Paranormal is, even though it takes place in that same universe, it's a lot more like a spoof of the X-Files. So it it has a lot of horror tropes, but it also has some like science fiction things in it. And it's just so cute. And it's funny in a way that is low key. So if you want something that's kind of gentle and silly and and maybe a little bit scary at times, because there are some jump scares in some episodes, but also like it's not realistic at all. So if you like that (laughs) sort of horror um, and something sillier for the Halloween season, I totally recommend this. So basically is set in New Zealand in Wellington, and it focuses on these two police officers, Officer Minogue and Officer O'Leary, and they're very silly, and we'll get into their characters, <laughs> and their sergeant, Sergeant Maka, pulls them aside one day and is like, hey, there's spooky things happening, and I want you guys <laughs> in on this, and I'm actually really into the paranormal, and I really think there's stuff out there, and Whenever they have a meeting that's not about, like, quote unquote, normal police business, he takes them into this little closet and <laughs> there's like all kinds of x filesy type things and conspiracy boards all over the walls of this little closet that he has them meet in. <laughs> and it's very cute. And then they'll go on these cases where something spooky is happening. And the thing that's funny about it is, first of all, they are being filmed for this documentary. So there's like talking head interviews and stuff. And... And then there's the conceit that there's a cameraman following these cops as they're doing their paranormal <laughs> investigations. So they're not very secret. They're, you know. <laughs> so if you like things like The Office and Spinal Tap and, and whatnot, then you'll enjoy that little mockumentary element of it. But the thing of it is that you get a lot of the personality of these two officers through their short interview segments. And very frequently, they'll be doing a little interview segment while something crazy is happening in the background that it's like, wait, maybe you should pay attention to the fact that there's zombies behind you and stuff. (laughs) And they're just kind of clueless. And Officer Minogue is played by Mike Minogue. But his first name on the show is Kyle, which I think is a joke about singer Kylie Minogue. And Officer O'Leary does not have a first name. Her real name is Karen O'Leary. But she on the show, they never reveal her first name. Okay. So they're playing like heightened sort of versions of themselves. And these two people are improv comedians in real life. And you can tell and they both have a very deadpan manner about them. And the other funny thing is that Minogue is very, very tall. And he's kind of gangly and like skinny and awkward and tends to have a lot of like physical comedy things happen around him. He's sort of clumsy and and a little bit clueless. And O'Leary is very, very short. And she's also very no nonsense. And she's like, probably the better police officer. But they're also both not very good. And she's very like, sort of by the book, and she'll kind of recite things that sound very police language-y, even as really crazy stuff is happening. And she sort of will summarize the cases and whatnot. And uh, just as very matter of fact, even as everything's going nuts. And so some of the kinds of things they they battle are like people with demon possession in one episode. They have an episode where there's a cow that winds up up in a tree and there's aliens involved. And there's like ghost stories where they find themselves thrust back in time and things and werewolves, 
vampires do show up a little bit zombies lots of lots of ghost stories they really kind of lean into those a lot and then other weird things like there's a there's a sect of teen witches at a girls school <laughs> there's there's one that i really liked that was like a ghost policeman from like the 1930s Ooh. and for some reason i really thought that one was particularly interesting yeah that sounds fun there's like alien clones i mean it's just but it's all sort of excuses to have moments of absurd comedy <laughs> but like the special effects are weirdly effective and good and this is created by taika watiti and jemaine clement together they created the what we do in the shadows original film and the spin-off tv series of that so if you like their sort of comedy i'm also watching their other their earlier show fly of the concords at the same time so i'm just really in this like new zealand supernatural comedy thing right now i guess <laughs> it, flight of the concords is not uh supernatural but it's absurdism so yeah but yeah it's very very cute and i don't know it's there's not really a lot of depth to it it's it's great <laughs> if you want a half an hour that is going to be maybe a little bit spooky but very funny but also not not like it's not distractingly funny i'm it, like i said it's low key it's gentle and i think it's good natured and okay. it's actually not so graphic that I don't think kids could watch it. I think that like mature kids who aren't easily scared could absolutely handle it. So okay. it's pretty, I wouldn't say wholesome, but it's wholesome adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What's the feel good is what you feel good. Yeah. Wish. Yeah, it is feel good. And they, you get the idea that Minogan O'Leary, even though she gets kind of exasperated with him at times, that they seem like they respect each other and they're good friends and that's also very nice and there's no like it's not a Mulder scully thing there's there's jokes about that but they're not it's not like that okay so that's it's mostly focused on the job and you don't know a whole lot about their personal lives there's three seasons it was originally on a new zealand network and for the longest time it didn't come to the u.s but they are now finally running it in i think they've caught up in it or in real time showing it on the CW and then it shows up on HBO Max the next day and I've been watching it on HBO Max. So. Awesome. Yeah. And I think they also did a whole special series during COVID that were webisodes, but I'm not oh. to that point yet and I don't know if I'd want to watch those cuz I feel like it's not really part of the I'm not sure if they're considered canonical or not. So, okay. I think it was their way of being able to still produce new material without like all the production costs and logistics of covid but yeah i think i may just skip to season three <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah that sounds really good i'll probably watch some tonight actually yeah check it out like if you like what we do in the shadows it's very mm -hmm. it's very similar but not quite as over the top so okay what we do in the shadows can get a little foul and gruesome at times in my yeah. opinion even though i love it <laughs> this is very much the the pg version of that so yeah. good yeah, awesome. Well, I'm <laughs> yeah. glad you're liking it. Thank you. Yeah. But like we have been watching a lot of or at least talking about a lot of how TV has to do different things if they're going to do horror or spooky things. Mm -hmm. And I think one effective way to soften some of that is through comedy or through atmospheric tension. Like I think Mike Flanagan's work is can be gruesome but it's not really as much as a film would be yeah so he gets a lot of that through the atmospherism and evocativeness and gentler ways to scare you and then some of these kind of comedic horror things are another way to go 
And I obviously was a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, which aren't horror per se, but they do have spooky things and monster tropes and whatnot. And through doing a lot of good world building and character development and some mix of comedy and drama, I think that's a way that you can get away with not having what you would expect in a horror film, right? So yeah. Yeah. So what are some other things that you've watched before that do all of those things really effectively? (laughs) Um... (laughs) (laughs) Not to put you on the spot. (laughs) Yeah, it's always really hard to think of things on the spot. But one of my favorites, and this is an old, it's a classic, but the Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. Because that's always very, it's sometimes spooky but it's sometimes spooky and just a like it it makes you think about things that you don't really want to think about you know yeah it's yeah thought-provoking there you go thank you (laughs) yeah so that one's that one's a favorite of mine i've been watching i think it's on hulu so i've been watching an episode like once a week usually Mm -hmm. like sometimes when i get home from work when it's very late at night and i'm just like ooh, i'm in the mood for some spookiness (laughs) There's a new version out on Paramount Plus. Yeah. I've only seen one episode of that. I watched all of that. That's now done. And I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. There's been multiple revivals of The Twilight Zone over the years. And that one has more good episodes than not. Some of them are... Okay. Some of them really did stick with me as being like, like, not as atmospheric as some of the old ones and not as atmospheric as like a Mike Flanagan show, but that had some plot points that were like, oh, that's going to stick with me. So yeah. yeah, I think it's worthwhile. That's not, yeah, it wasn't as scary. I think it it was effective in insofar as it had a lot of social commentary stuff about right. like present day issues that were sort of important. Yeah, I think social commentary merges really well with horror, the horror genre. Mm-hmm. So I like it when they do that. Yeah. I think I mean another. I mean, you can do more on places like HBO, and I thought that Lovecraft Country was excellent at yeah providing a good mix of social commentary and horror. But that was certainly using a lot more of the gruesome horror tropes. Yes, that was a show that I had to look away a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah, it's very good, but yes, definitely on the gory side. Yeah, but I think it's interesting when it's on a network and they have to sort of you know, get more creative to still be spooky without being like just outright upsetting. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the fact that you can inject sort of Halloween-y tropes into regular shows with their like Halloween episodes, that's always a good time. Yes, absolutely. Some of my favorites. I was a big fan of Chuck, which was on NBC back in the day, and they had a good couple Halloween episodes. Mm -hmm. And one that airs currently is Bob's Burgers, and they're very good at doing silly, but also heartwarming in some places. So I just, yeah, I really enjoy all of their holiday episodes, but their Halloween ones are very funny and and excellent. Awesome. The Treehouse of Horror series on The Simpsons is always a good time. And even, in, even at periods where I haven't really watched The Simpsons, those are great standalone things that spoof a lot of classic horror, and, and those are really fun, too. I know the community had some great Halloween episodes, including a whole zombie apocalypse episode where people had been infected with some kind of food poisoning at a costume party, and so they turned into quasi-zombies, and <laughs> they had to get sort of chased, and that was hilarious. So I think you can 
play with things. I think you can spoof other things. And I'm really a sucker for a mix of horror and comedy. And even though this isn't a TV show, I just watched the film Freaky, which is a mashup of Freaky Friday and Friday the 13th. Okay. And it was pretty hilarious. So (laughs) I think satire is great for horror. I just Horror is just a very flexible genre that can accommodate a lot of crossovers and mashups. And I've gotten to the point where I can really see its value as a as a genre for conveying quite a lot of deeper themes. Yeah, I agree. Oh, and and I'm going to I'm definitely going to watch the new Muppet Haunted Mansion special. But that also leads into thinking about good things like it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown and just stuff that is even not really that scary, but just designed for kids and is just good comfort Halloween season viewing. So yeah, I I love that sort of stuff. I did not know Muppets Haunted Mansion was a thing <laughs> that was going to happen. Yes, it's on Disney Plus, and I have not okay. seen it yet, but I have heard it is actually a little spooky, like okay. a little bit scarier than you might think. And I think Muppet Halloween stuff is is a nice mix of a little sharp with a little sweet. So. Yeah, I, they do a good job with that kind of thing. I would also give a shout out to, again, another film, but I'm sure you can find it streaming somewhere. It's just the good old Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Which is a nice bridge between Halloween and Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> it is very fun. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times with horror TV, especially, like I've I've been watching more horror films and stuff, but with horror TV, I always sort of come back to my childhood foundation of like scooby-doo mm-hmm. and there's a show i loved called eerie indiana oh yeah and so weird mm-hmm. so i yeah there were a lot of shows that i loved as a kid that aren't necessarily super scary to adults but they really sort of instilled a love of the paranormal and like the weird mm-hmm. in me so yeah i gotta give a shout out to those yeah and actually, a, a more recent thing that would appeal kind of that, maybe not quite as young as you're talking, but The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was great. And I okay. am almost jealous of people who are younger watching that and having that <laughs> as their entree into horror TV, because that was a great mix of good old teen angst and <laughs> supernatural horror and some like general creepiness. Like it was, it was not always for the faint of heart. And I'm really sad that it's gone. I think it it got done dirty by COVID and I think they could have kept going and yeah. And it was so good. So yeah, I think, I think we think that horror can't be done on TV, but it absolutely can. And you also have to think about what you want out of horror. I would say honestly that Twin Peaks is horror, even though it's not on the surface at all. It's just atmospherically creepy yeah, and has some moments of suspense and surreality. And I sort of, hold that show up as like one of the best shows of its era but you have to be in the right mood for it for sure and i know you have you have not quite gotten there yet but i did watch the whole first season oh did you okay yeah but i didn't the second season sort of threw me so i stopped watching (laughs) yeah season two gets it's it's notoriously not as good but i think in terms of creating Creating an atmosphere. I think that's what, if somebody wants to create a good TV show that will get identified with being horror or horror adjacent, it's about atmosphere, characters, plot, 
and you have to rely on other things other than just overt terror, which yes. film and literature can do. You have other things in your toolkit that you have to kind of utilize. Oh, Castle Rock is another great one. And I think that okay. did some of that. It was, I don't know if they're going to make more of that. Each season was a standalone story. And season one was particularly effective at building a mystery that seemed frightening. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, there's stuff out there. There is, yeah. I do. I just remembered this Dutch show that I watched last year that I want to give a shout out to because it's very creepy. My roommate, Erica, and I watched it together and I was like <laughs> closing my eyes, but it's in Dutch. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't read the subtitles sometimes. <laughs> But it's really, really creepy. It's called Aries, A-R-E-S, and it's just about a girl named Rosa who's a first-year medical student, and she gets invited to join the secret society, and it's very, very creepy. Ooh. It might be up your alley. Yeah, that sounds creepy. I like it. Cool. Is there, so it's subtitled, I hate this, but is there a dubbed version? And it's not because I don't want to be a purist but sometimes i have trouble reading subtitles no i totally get that i i don't know it's on netflix we okay. watched it with subtitles you might be able to i don't know what the options are you might be able to get the dubbed version okay but that's not how we watched it okay sorry i have heard good things about dark i started that and then didn't keep going and that's i think german and there's both subtitles and dubs available of that okay and I'm going to get back to that for sure. I just, I started it and then wasn't immediately drawn in, but then I kept hearing more and more and more good things about how it proceeded. So I'm definitely going to get back to that. But Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think that's, maybe that's a point that we should hit on that, you know, not all horror that's worth watching comes from the US. Yes. Yes. And in fact, I, I'd like to get more into international television i think especially netflix does a great job of bringing a lot and i just haven't mm -hmm. explored as much beyond like stuff that's initially in english yeah but i need to get past that and really like i do watch a lot of stuff that is subtitled but my i'm so old and sometimes it's <laughs> hard at night and i'm like i can't quite see it so i think no matter what somebody needs or prefers that whether someone is a bigger fan of subtitles or dubbing, don't shame them for that because there's probably reasons. And they're probably more yeah. flexible about going back and forth than you might think. But absolutely. Yeah. There is, I gotta, this is not horror, but there was a fantastic episode of Only Murders in the Building a couple weeks ago, which I do want to talk more about that series on its own. Okay. That was all from the point of view of a deaf character. And as a result, there was almost no spoken dialogue in the whole episode. Oh. Everything was subtitled or conveyed through a combination of subtitles, sign language, text messages, pantomime even. And it was amazing, but it required a lot of visual attention. Yes. And I, it was brilliantly done, and I really hope it wins an Emmy. So That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I have to start that show. It's so good. We'll talk about that in a subsequent okay. episode. Okay, great. <laughs> But I want to say next week, this is so, so, so exciting. Next week is our 100th episode. And <laughs> so we are planning some super fun secret stuff. So stick around for that. I cannot believe we've made it this far. That's wild. It is. I can't believe you haven't gotten sick of me. <laughs> Same. <laughs>
No, but this has been awesome, and I'm excited to keep going and see where we go with it. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you want to email us, you can do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.